0: Bonjour, mesdames et messieurs. I'm very delighted to be here. As uh, has been mentioned, I'm here unfortunately this morning for only a few moments because the uh, assembly of the Intergovernmental Oceanographic Commission of UNESCO is taking place as we speak. And uh, you may imagine there are quite a few things going on at that assembly with our 145 member states sitting in the room. Uh, I'm delighted to be here, though, and uh, will say that my colleague, uh, Dr. Albert Fisher, who uh, will replace me in a few moments, will be here throughout. Al- Albert is a uh, physical oceanographer and uh, much more qualified than I to respond to your, to your scientific questions. I would also like to mention that I am absolutely delighted to have uh, two of our partners in the room, uh, Monsieur Romain Troublet, from the Terra Expeditions team, uh, with whom we have established an extraordinary relationship which will ensure the sharing of scientific data. And uh, I believe we will have a connection with the Terra, the Terra Expedition. The, the ship is actually up in the Arctic right now and you will have the opportunity to speak with the scientists later. We also have a representative, uh, Miss Joe Ruxton, who is with the Plastic Oceans Foundation, and uh, she will present a trailer of a documentary on plastic pollution in the ocean, done under the patronage of uh, our Director General, Madame Irina Bokova. (coughs) You will also see a short video on one of the most pressing problems in the world today, and that is ocean acidification, the increasing acidity of the ocean. But I'd like to speak to you very briefly about the ocean, and then also about the role of the IOC. And I am, as I say, delighted to be here and to present to such an august group of goodwill ambassadors. And I'm hoping by the end of uh, this morning's session, you will also be ambassadors for the ocean. May I have the next slide, please? So, to set the context, planet Earth is misnamed it really should be planet ocean, and if you look at this from the Pacific at least, on the left, it becomes quite obvious. In fact, the ocean covers 71 percent of the Earth and all of the land mass on the planet would fit into the Pacific Ocean alone. The ocean accounts for 97 percent of the planet's water, it provides two-thirds of the value of all natural services offered by our planet, and as well, it provides the oxygen for every second breath that we take. So think about that if we didn't have an ocean. It regulates the climate and it has absorbed 80% of the heat that has gone into the world system. So you see, all of us on land depend upon the ocean for life. And of course this has led to an imperative for better observations and information about the ocean and its impact on human society. And as I say, maybe this group afterwards can start pushing for the planet to be renamed Planet Ocean. Next slide, please. The ocean, of course, is a crucial economic resource. The value of marine activities globally is estimated to be around 5% of global GDP and rising right now between 2.7 and 3 trillion US dollars. 90% of all goods are shipped by sea, so you may be quite certain that the clothes you're wearing today were transported to you by the ocean. More than one-third of the human population lives in the coastal zone. That's within about 100 kilometers of the coast. But the projections are that by 2025, 75% of the population will live in the coastal zone. This has huge implications uh, for the ocean, but also huge implications for the coasts in terms of what the ocean might do. Fisheries provide one billion people with their main source of protein, and I could go on. But of course, the ocean supports many industries, not just fisheries, not just aquaculture, but also shipping, oil and gas, marine and coastal tourism, cruise ships, submarine cables and pipelines, dredging, ports, offshore renewable energy, and more. Again, the ocean is a critical resource. It is also a cultural resource, and I would guess that you would know that as well as I. In fact, 49 of UNESCO's World Heritage Sites have been inscribed for their coastal or marine value. It's also estimated that three million ancient shipwrecks lie on the ocean floor. 20,000 Neolithic sites are located in the waters around Scandinavia alone, and more than 150 ancient cities are submerged in the Mediterranean, while thousands more are to be found in other regions. So the underwater cultural heritage is extremely important. And throughout the ages, the ocean has been the inspiration for music, for dance, for paintings, for films, for storytelling. Next slide, please. So the ocean affects us all, whether we live on the coast or whether we live far from it. It operates as a giant thermostat that regulates the global temperature. The world's climatic zones are determined by the ocean's climatic zones, by the heat stored and transferred in the upper few hundred meters of our sea. In fact, the upper three meters of the ocean, that's just three meters of the ocean, holds as much heat as our entire atmosphere. The ocean's energy storehouse also operates as a giant flywheel, so it moderates change and also it prolongs it once it has begun. Now because of this tremendous heat capacity, the ocean is the memory of the climate system and it controls changing patterns of rainfall and storminess, so you might think about the weather in Paris or wherever you live, because it seems to be a little weird this year. Uh, it's probably going to get weirder and every time it is I want you to think about the ocean and think what is happening in the ocean to be causing these strange patterns of weather. Now the ocean has absorbed one-third of the human emissions of carbon dioxide since the beginning of the industrial resolution. That rate of absorption is now slowing, the buffering capacity is going down, but what is happening and this is why I say one of the films you will see today is about one of the most pressing issues on the planet, is that it is causing the excess uh, CO2, which the ocean has been absorbing, is causing the ocean to become more acid. And you can well imagine that a more acid ocean is going to have huge implications for the marine organisms in the ocean, and in particular coral reefs. So, uh, as I say, you will see a short video afterwards about ocean acidification. But just quickly, next slide please. Where does the IOC, the Intergovernmental Oceanographic Commission of UNESCO fit? Established in 1960, the IOC was created to promote international cooperation and to coordinate programs in research, in services, for example, tsunami warning systems, and capacity building in order to generate knowledge about the nature and resources of the ocean and coastal waters and to apply that knowledge for the improvement of management, of sustainable development, of protection of the marine environment, and of course the decision-making processes of its member states. The IOC of UNESCO is the sole organization within the UN system and the only intergovernmental body with a mandate in ocean science in all ocean basins of the world. Next slide please. The IOC carries out its work around the globe in conjunction with and through its, as I said, 145 member states as of today and its regional bodies which are shown here. We call this the spaghetti diagram. It's rather complicated and in fact it is. Next slide please. Within the UN system, the IOC is considered as the focal point for ocean observations, ocean science, ocean services, and data and information exchange. And the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea considers the IOC to be the competent international organization for marine science. Within UNESCO, IOC has what is called functional autonomy, which means that it is the IOC member states which determine the program priorities, while it is the UNESCO member states that determine the budget. Again, a little complicated. Next slide, please. Currently, the IOC has four high-level objectives which correspond to the major challenges facing the global ocean. First, preventing and reducing the impacts of natural marine hazards such as tsunamis, storm surges, and sea level rise, and we do this through sustained monitoring and warning systems and community education. Second, mitigating the impacts of and adapting to climate change and variability. We do this through increasing scientific understanding, improving climate prediction through observations and process studies and increasing the understanding of impacts of climate change on the marine environment. Third, safeguarding the health of ocean ecosystems through promoting the United Nations World Ocean Assessment, which is expected to report in 2014, and research and monitoring for the protection of the marine environment. And finally, bringing the science and policy together, that is, promoting management procedures and policies leading to the sustainability of ocean and coastal environments and resources and enhancing regional cooperation and capacity building. So the IOC really plays a critical role in the world of bringing science to policy and ensuring that the ocean is protected for future generations. So what is it that you as Goodwill Ambassadors for UNESCO could do? Well, uh, I believe, and this is a personal opinion, first that you, you can promote the fact that the ocean is the reason we can live on this planet. And I say the ocean in in singular, rather than the oceans in plural, because there really is only one ocean, and it is interconnected, so that anything that happens in one part of it will ultimately affect another part. We have one planet, we have one ocean, we don't get another chance, and we need to look after it. It knows no political boundaries. Second, you can promote that the ocean is the reason we want to live on the planet. It does, i pro- uh, not quite ready for that slide, can you go back please? Um, it provides so much, including culture, recreation, food, etc. And finally, you can uh, promote the fact that UNESCO has an extremely important role to play with respect to the ocean, including education through ocean literacy, with respect to culture through marine world heritage and underwater heritage, and through understanding and uh, protection through the work, the science, of the Intergovernmental Oceanographic Commission. Next slide, please. So, in closing, I would just like to bring you back to the importance of the ocean to sustainable development and to the world, and I I believe that Sylvia Earle, who is one of the planet's preeminent ocean scientists has articulated very well the importance of the ocean for humankind and the planet's ecology. As shown here, she said, even if you never have a chance to see or touch the ocean, the ocean touches you with every breath you take, every drop you drink, every bite you consume. Everyone, everywhere is inextricably connected to, and utterly dependent upon the existence of the sea. Next slide, please. I uh, thank you very much for your attention and hope this has been somewhat edifying.